Hello, everyone. My guest today is emotional health coach and author Maria Bogdanis. I'm your host, Jan Jaffe. Welcome to In Depth. We're waiting for Maria to call in today. She's a little delayed. Maria Bogdanis is an emotional health coach, mentor, trainer, and author of numerous articles specializing in emotional and mental abuse and childhood emotional neglect and its lifelong effects. Maria's articles regularly appear in Psych Central. I'm delighted to have Maria Bogdanis as my guest on today's show. Let's see. Hello, this is Maria. <laughs> oh, Maria, Hello. I apologize. There is something <laughs> wrong with the studio today. I'm not getting anything showing up on my switchboard, so I, I apologize, but I am so glad that you're there. So, everybody, this is Maria Bogdanos, and I'm so delighted <laughs> to have you on the line today. I will say that even just getting into the studio today was a bit of a challenge, so um, I, I'm not surprised that, this, that the switchboard is, is not working properly, but I am so happy <laughs> That I was able to bring you in. Uh, so what? <laughs> so welcome, thank Maria. You for and I am, well, thank you for for your patience as well. <laughs> so I want to tell everybody, as you've probably already heard, that the number here is six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. We welcome your calls, questions, comments, and contribution to the discussion. We would love to hear from you, and I want to thank everybody again for your patience as well. The number again is 646-716-9397. Again, Maria, thank you so much for hanging in there. <laughs> so oh, no I was problem. amazed. We had, a, we had a power outage last night, and we're in California, which is very lightweight compared to you New Yorkers out there. So I thought, was it me? And I was trying to call in again. I thought, how's the phone line connected? I'm not very technical, so I was trying to figure out if, if there's something else. But you solved it, and I'm happy that you did. Well, thank you. Well, it took me about almost 15 minutes to get in this morning onto the line. I think there was Blog Talk Radio was just having challenges of its own this morning. And even after I got in, apparently it wasn't fully working. <laughs> so, um, but we're here, and this is great, and I learned how to use another aspect of the studio. So, <laughs> so you know, all, all good. Great. You had a power, yeah, so... Anyway, I'm, I, and I heard you're having snow or something coming, some storms. So, um, anyway. My son just left up for, to go snow, uh, snowboarding today. He says, you know, he's very courageous, unlike his older mother, who has given up skiing now because I've been injured too many times. Uh. <laughs> but he, he went right now today because it just snowed heavily, and he wanted to get the fresh powder. So he left at 5 a.m. this morning. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sure he'll have a good time. Yes. Maria, I just wanted to tell you, I was amazed to learn after reading some of your articles that you're not a coach or know that you are a coach and not a highly <laughs> degreed psychologist or psychiatrist. So where did you receive your training? So what's funny about that is if I were to do it again, um, I would – probably go all the way and would like to earn a Ph.D. in psychotherapy. Um, I was very pragmatic in the 80s. Everyone was going into business at the time, even if you had maybe um, giftedness to, to other things, the arts. Um, we were all encouraged, make sure that you get a good job because it's all about making money. And you, li you lived through the 80s, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is a financial analyst, so he got me a job at his company right out of college. So I thought, oh, it's a job. I can go buy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, But then later in my 30s, I started doing work on myself, and this is where really um, this all began for me. I started realizing that I'm having friction with um my relatives mostly, and then with some friends. And then I 
I'm, I'm a self-effacing person, so I thought, what am I doing wrong? What mm. What is going on here where um, things were easier in my 20s, but in my 30s <laughs> there are more um, dysfunctional conversations and am I not communicating clearly? And I, I'm a type of person um, that will fix, you know, want, want to know what the root of the problem is. So mm-hmm. I think that propelled me to try to go deep with it. I, I knew it wasn't something superficial because it was happening um, across the board. It was happening with my spouse. It was happening with my mother. It was happening with um, group uh, dynamics. And, and then I picked up a book by Drs. Cloud and Townsend, and it was entitled Boundaries. And it was the first um, probably self-help book. I'm not into self-help. I'm not into pop psychology. I don't think, mm. I think 90%, only my view, but I think 90% of it is common sense. You don't need to write a book about it. <laughs> um, mm. But there's just a lot of superficial things, and they really they deal with the symptoms. They don't deal with the why of something. Mm. And so... And so this book was different, and it went into the dynamics um, and how you were raised and really went across the board into um, the whole person as a very holistic psychology, which I think is very important as well. We can't be um, just looking at one um, discipline. If you're looking at only studying psychology and thinking you're going to be a great psychologist, but haven't read Socrates and haven't studied philosophy. Um, economics, to me, is a huge um, area because studying that teaches you opportunity cost. If you choose one thing, you forfeit the um, another choice. So that, I think, plays a big part in psychology as well. So having a holistic viewpoint is very important. So that propelled me, that book propelled me into working on myself. And then I had wanted to go back and get an MA and and PhD, but I had um, a divorce I had to deal with and my children took priority. So I went and got a job again in finance (laughs) because I had Mm -hmm. skills there. And in the meantime, I became a certified coach and I did it for myself. I did it so that I can become strong and understand what self-care means. I didn't know that word. (laughs) Why Mm. would I care? You know, why would I have compassion um, towards myself? It was a very foreign concept. So all this was very interesting to me. And I think because of my curiosity and wanting to become healthy myself, it has made me um, search for everything. I mean, even when now the neuroplasticity and the the neural imaging is so exciting to me. They can actually map the brain and they can see, oh, the prefrontal cortex. It's strengthened with meditation, introspection, and these are things that go contrary to to our society. We don't take time to sit and be quiet and, and think. And they affect the brain and strengthen it so that when we go through trials and conflicts, um, we're stronger because of it. So, I mean, that ties into psychology, neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating. I dumped a whole lot on you right there. <laughs> I'm sorry? I dumped a whole lot on you right at the beginning there. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's wonderful. It's fascinating. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you have more to say. I didn't mean to, to cut you off. Um, no, I think I was talking <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved especially what you said about neuroplasticity and and uh, meditation and introspection and how it it actually makes the brain grow and and you know one of the yeah. things that you mentioned that I so agree with and, and how when we go through trials and how we go when we when we go through hardships and how we deal with them um, when we it creates resilience that's one of my things is that um, mm-hmm. going through through um, you know, through I, I, you know, I don't even say hard times, but through, through traumas, you know, it, unless it, mm-hmm. it creates PTSD. But going through how we deal with it, um, mm-hmm. and what's one of the things that I refer to as vulnerable resilience. How you know, if we let ourselves open up to it and 
and f- go through our feelings and and mm-hmm. really deal with it openly and honestly and authentically. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can actually help us grow. I mean, in dealing with that pain rather than burying mm-hmm. it or or refusing to feel it, it actually helps us grow and and grow in compassion and grow in kindness and just grow as an entity. Um, but yes. it doesn't, you know, transformation and growth does not mean, you know, it 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 in, incurs some pain too. It really does, yes. um, as they say, yes. no, no no pain, no gain. But also, exactly. I'm curious. Yes, where did you receive your um, your coaching training? CTI coaching. Ah, coaching that's a, right. That's an excellent, excellent institution. So you know, I I noticed I I was so impressed with 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 what I've read by you. Uh, you write so clearly, precisely, and scholarly. So I'm curious, what is your process when you write? How do you extract the gems of information from the vast array of information so that you distill so clearly the information you offer in your articles? Um, that's very kind of you. I, I feel that for me it comes up very organically. Um, my daughter is a songwriter, and she has a very similar process. She will write something um, as it hits her, as she's experiencing life. And that is a good um, correlation as to how I write. Um, I don't tend to read a whole lot. When I wrote the one on emotional abuse, I wrote it back in 2008. And I didn't submit it um, to Psych Sense until 2013. Um, and so I had not read. I wrote it because I didn't find any material about emotional abuse all in one place. I had searched everywhere. I think I did read one book, and there were a few things about it, but it had other things. And I thought, I want to make a catalog of the things that I've seen just in my field work um, in my own life. And when I've facilitated support groups and I've had one-on-one clients, I've gotten a lot of feedback. And I listen to what other people have gone through. And sometimes there are co-occurring disorders. So someone might have anxiety, depression, and maybe be bipolar or something. So you have to parse out um, what is going on. Is it emotional abuse or are they imagining something because maybe they're a little paranoid or have anxiety? So you have to be very clear on what you're seeing. And it's hard to isolate things. So seeing things in repetition and seeing clues and making correlations is very important. And I think that when I my training at UC Berkeley made me think that way. So I give credit to that institution for helping me um, look at the big picture, kind of macro and micro, right? So you're looking mm-hmm. at what's going on in the big picture, but you're also listening to the details and trying to um, – And I think that's where I'm trying to make my articles concise. I think they are very big topics. And I have uh, deep thoughts on many things. The PTSD one I recently wrote because I thought there aren't many articles about day-to-day PTSD. You know, we know about the veteran. um, The veterans have a high degree of it, and they may have dreams and flashbacks, nightmares. But um, I talk to people that have gone through losses, you know, loss of job and divorce, and they have certain symptoms. And then I see them over time, many have the same symptoms. So there's something going on with this. And when you talk to them and they may not have had this this, this symptom 10 years ago, but now they can't concentrate. So, and it happened after a traumatic event. So, and I wanted to ask you too, what have you found? Because I love to corroborate um, you're in the same field. So what have you found um, with these topics on emotional abuse and PTSD? Well, it's interesting that you ask because um, with emotional abuse, just like you, I found numerous articles, but nothing as, um, as I said, distilled or as Mm -hmm. all in one place as in your article, and when I hit on your article, I thought, wow, it is so clear and complete 
and concise, and everything is there. And if anybody has any questions, everything is there. There, there is so much clarity. You don't need to look anywhere else. And I was just so impressed. And I was, again, I'll mention, I was just shocked when I looked down, and because I, I thought this is at least a psychologist. And and I looked down, and I thought you were a coach, an, an emotional health coach. And I hadn't um, come across an emotional health coach um, before. And I thought, well, how perfect. And so I was in, I was very very impressed with that. And uh, when it comes to PTSD, um, as you have mentioned, uh, generally in the uh, literature you find most of it is referring to um, you know either football players. There's a lot of uh, information yeah. now in the news about football players because they're very concerned. Yeah about that and also veterans and people seem to think most people seem to think if you're not having flashbacks um mm-hmm. or what they used to call what did they shell shock they used to refer to oh, it as shock. shell shock right, right? right. um that that's not that people think that's what PTSD is and that's there's something called I think is it called complex PTSD or is it something or cumulative where it can be a bunch a new of term. right, right. Um, um, what is the term? I, I, I just sure. started reading about complex PTSD. But it I'm is not complex. Quite yeah, it's, it. yeah, it's a bunch of things like similar to what you had mentioned, and um, it's basically it, it's you know people will find themselves anxious, unable to concentrate, um, mm-hmm. hyper vigilant. And it's and they be full of guilt and shame, and they don't know what's going on with them. And mm-hmm. it, it can be a, a, a bunch of traumas, such as maybe a rape, but it, it you know a rape on its own may not be the thing that's causing it, or it may even not be something as what someone might consider as traumatic as that. But it could be, mm-hmm. say, there was a, a childhood that was dysfunctional for whatever reason, say. Mm-hmm emotional neglect or a narcissistic mm-hmm. mother or something uh, and then um oh i don't know what are some other things you know like you said a divorce or um a a, a terrible illness or a ter- terrible injury you know and a, a, just a bunch of things that mm-hmm. over time these these um these these events can over yes. time it, it's just it's one thing after another after another and it causes right. PTSD and so it's not and, and so nobody can uh, it, it's often it often goes either unrecognized or you know someone just mm-hmm. thinks oh my God what's happening to me I'm falling apart and I don't know why mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so they're they're calling that now I think complex PTSD so it's it's unrecognized. Mm-hmm. And it also can can be part of, say, if someone has um, a head injury, like myself, I've had um, mm-hmm. two traumatic uh, brain injuries, uh, two uh, one severe, one moderate to severe brain uh, brain injury, and then a terrible car accident. And so those mm-hmm. those those can something like that can cause it. So I'm just saying it's it's things like that. Um, and someone mm-hmm. could be in, I know of someone that was hit by a car and it was, it was, he was barely bumped, but he mm-hmm. now finds himself anxious and hypervigilant. So it can mm-hmm. be, it, it can be just a few things that mm-hmm. can cause that. And people are different. Some people don't, <laughs> don't respond or react to it. Just like there are veterans who don't have PTSD mm-hmm. and others that do. Right. And it just depends on a, a whole a whole litany oh, of things, <laughs> right? So, and, and but you you're the expert on PTSD. Brain, no, no, but the brain is an organ if you think about it. And mm-hmm. if you had so many hits as a football player, has so many hits to the chest or something, of course there's going to be some you know lack of movement or something. So if you think of the brain. Um, I'm just so happy that we're studying the brain with neuroscience. I want to be a neuroscience researcher now. 
Ah. But um, such so little time. But um, you know, you can do these things on your own. Luckily, you can't believe everything on the internet. But if it's a good source and it's not paid content where a, a drug company is offering to pay an institution for for something and it's trustworthy, you know, a research institution putting out would be something I would trust. And I wanted to talk about, too, with, with what you were saying earlier, is um, when people get help and they be, grow and they repair and they have recovery, um, a lot of times when you go to the psychologist, and I've heard this story a million times, oh, they just throw medicine at me and they're not listening mm-hmm. to me. And then they come to me and they say, well, you're a coach and you listen and you heard what I said. You're not giving me um, standard um, solution. And I don't advise medication unless you are self-damaging or you're trying to get to work maybe and you need it as a Band-Aid approach for a specific amount of time. But cognitive behavior therapy is when what you were saying is when you're working on yourself, thinking about um, what, you know, why you may be feeling this way. And you have pain during that. And allowing the pain, as you said, I think that's critical. And I think we want to escape the pain and just be medicated, and we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. If I had done that, if I had gone through my divorce and I had just, been on meds the whole time and never done any repair work to myself, I would have not recovered. Mm-hmm. And what a travesty. Yes. Right. It's like hiding out. And then, right. and then, you know, and then unfortunately it hits you. I mean, if you're without the medication, the reality, the thing you're not dealing with is still there. It is still it's, there. The brain is not repaired. If you think about mm-hmm. it, like with any other organ, if you're just putting a Band-Aid on something, you know, and you're not allowing, um, that's why coactive coaching, I think, is so important because you're letting the person do the work. Um, instead you know of just, what, I just, I just, I just yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know, I, I thought of a great analogy. It's like yeah. um, when, when, an, when an, an, an athlete injures themselves. And they get a cortisone shot so they can continue to to uh, to play and to and to yeah. work out. And so the, the the injury is not repaired, and it's um, and they're still injured. And but they have this sort of band aid on it via cortisone, so they don't feel pain. So that when you know when the when the cortisone wears off, they're still injured, and they're in even more pain. And it's the same thing with an emotional wound, right? So if you take yes. these these drugs that 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 you know bar the pain when mm-hmm. when the drugs aren't there or eventually the drugs don't work all the time or they stop mm-hmm. working, then the pain mm-hmm. is there and it's worse because the wound continues to grow. Oh yes, they're very discouraged. The people that have been on drugs say for years say, I feel the same as I did when I started. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you why, because the doctor you've been seeing hasn't worked with you. And he, to me, that's very negligent. Um, if you have empathy towards your patients, it's very important that you want them to get well. And I think it's very important when you choose a doctor or a therapist. We do the same thing with medical doctors. We want to choose one that's empathetic and is also very skilled and astute. And we need to do the same thing with our emotional health, I believe. So so let me ask you a question. I've got so many questions. But how does an emotional health coach, the work that you do, differ from, from that of a therapist? So, you know, well, so how would this... Fine, this yes. I'm sorry? I think that, no, I think I do cross over into therapy. And I know when I took all the coactive coaching classes, they say, make sure that you are working on the client's agenda, which I do, and further and deepen them. That's the big um, uh, motto there. And for me, I just, I have so much other knowledge about the whole person. I'm very interested in the whole person. If there's something at the root, like maybe their childhood had neglect, 
why wouldn't I bring that up and say, what do you think? Do you think this has, and I would never um, confront someone who isn't ready. The, the good thing about coaching is you wouldn't take mandated clients. You wouldn't take someone who doesn't want the help. Um, mm -hmm. I have psychologist friends that have mandated clients that um, they have to see because of a court order. And they say they're, it's so hard on both sides. Because the mm -hmm. clients don't want to be there. They've been ordered to go get help. And then the psychologist is just not able to work with them. So the great thing about coaching and why I'm glad I went into that as well is that you get people that are really, really, they've already been working on themselves. And a lot of times they're frustrated. They say, I've been to psychotherapists. They've just been to the wrong ones. Of course, there are wonderful psychotherapists out there and wonderful psychologists, but they may have just gone um, to some that may not have gone to the root causes. And I'm very much, because I've done it to myself, that's the model that I know how to be with others. I will mm -hmm. use the same model to help them. Okay, so so you're saying then, so this this type of coaching that you do, um, could possibly replace therapy and medication? Well, I haven't started out thinking it would, but it ends up that it has because the thing, it saves people so much time and money. They see me three times and then they take over. So another analogy would be a physical therapist. You're injured, you go in to the physical therapist. They usually teach you the exercises, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you don't go to them indefinitely. They say, here's the exercises, let's do this for a month. Oh, it depends how bad the injury is, of course. Um, mm -hmm. Some elderly people need to go longer. But they give you the that elastic, I don't know the name of that thing, I've seen it. <laughs> um, I was injured in sports, so I saw him bring home, you know, that thing where you tie around your feet and stretch. But they, uh -huh. you know, he's told at home you're to strengthen these muscles and do this this many times a day, and then you run with it. And it's up to you how much you want to do it, how healthy you want to become. So I see what I do similarly. I don't want lifetime clients because that means they're not getting well. You want people to engage at home and the the majority of the work needs to be done by that person. You're just a facilitator, really. And I tell people, I'm not an expert. I don't want to be, you know, um, your mentor for life. I'm giving you tools. I'm equipping you. And ask me what you will because I've talked to so many people and I've seen what works. But like you said, everyone is completely different. They come with a whole bag of uh very different factors, childhood factors, emotional. Some cannot, um, don't have a, a vocabulary for emotions. I've had to describe to people, what exactly are you feeling? And they can't get past the surface. So then I think maybe in their childhood they haven't had um, a safe to express emotion. So then they go off on that and they work on that. So I think they, they tend to uncover what they need, and that's what's exciting about the work. I don't feel like I'm doing, I'm not, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no, but it sounds like you're, not only are you opening doors, but you're also changing, helping people change thought habits. Um, because sometimes, yeah. as we know, so much of what we do that gets us it, stuck are, are the habits that we have. And mm -hmm. sometimes we're not even aware of those things. We don't realize that the blocks that are holding us back are the habits that we have. And sometimes as coaches, what we do are, un, you know, unlock those habits and shed, shine lights on those habits. And um, right. it sounds like what you do with, with, as an emotional health coach is, is shine the lights on those habits and help people give people the tools to change those habits so that those, that transformation can hap happen very quickly. Um, That's a good summary. That... Thank you for summarizing <laughs> that. I, don't, I wasn't sure what that was doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I'm curious, what made you so particularly interested in emotional abuse? Um, I I just kept seeing it, um, and it, it happened to me as well. But I I don't play a victim. I think people can can uh, become very victorious and learn so much from from abuse when it happens to them. But I kept seeing. Um, I dealt a lot with some nonprofits up in Oakland. I have some friends there, and there were a lot of services for um, domestic shelters and physical abuse. And then I had some training with um, teen sex trafficking and some of the um, symptoms of teenagers. So that opened up a whole other door as to, you know, Stockholm syndrome and mm-hmm. how that, you know, is missed as well in a lot of um psychological communities and discussions, we tend to focus on the things we see. And there is a blind spot to the things we don't see, but they can be more devastating because, like you said earlier, you don't know what's happening to you. You have PTSD, and no one can pinpoint it. And you think it's in your head or if you're not exhibiting um some symptom that is well known, but I think it intrigued me because there wasn't enough attention placed on it. Uh huh. Well, it's. I know you've been quoted quite often um, in many articles. You seem to be. You're. 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 You've, you're becoming, or, or already have become, recognized as. Um, kind of the expert in this field. Uh, just your article, I highly recommend it. It's, um, wh- what is the title of it? Signs or Symptoms of of, um, of Emotional Abuse? I mean, it's a very simple. T- yeah. Uh, yeah, Signs t- of Emotional Abuse. Signs of emotional abuse, and it's. I think it's in Psych Central, but I think if you just Google it with Maria's name, Maria Bogdana, Signs of Emotional Abuse, it is the most, I think, it's it's so clear and it's, it's so encompassing. Um, if you have any questions at all about emotional abuse, please go to that article. And, you know, right now, here on the Life Coach Radio Networks, we're proud to have as our sponsor Audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet, offering customers a new way to enhance and enrich their lives every day. Audible is the preeminent provider of spoken word audio products that include more than 100,000 audio programs from more than 1,800 content providers. Receive a free audio book with your 30-day trial when you sign up with Audible today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoach. Radio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Now, here are some audible books related to today's topic. Running on Empty, Overcome Your Childhood Emotional Neglect by Jonice Webb, Ph.D., and Christine Musello, Psy.D. <clears throat> Excuse me. Living and Loving After Betrayal, How to Heal from Emotional Abuse, Deceit, Infidelity, and Chronic Resentment by Stephen Stosny, and Overcoming Emotional Abuse by Susan Elliott Wright. So don't forget to sign up for your one-month free trial to get your free audio book today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Audible. Stories that surround you. And now back to our show. So um, now I just, I'm curious. I know that you've mentioned positive psychology, and I know that there, um, there are a lot of uh, correlations between coaching and positive psychology. So I'd, I'd love to talk about it and hear what, mm-hmm. your, you, know, what you have, you know, your thoughts about positive psychology. Yes, um, I think it was Ellis, I forget who invented it, you know, officially, but, you know, when you look back at a lot of the classic work, and I was trained being Greek, um, you have to read all of Socrates' work and Aesop, and um, so these things were happening quite a while ago, and we have the modern equivalent of them now as well, which is great, 
you know, we can't throw out logic. <laughs> Um, and I think that also concerns me. I look at things happening in our country, and I feel we cannot leave um, our logical roots. We have to be aware. And um, I think conscious, being conscious, self-aware is, is kind of the foundation of where these other things will come from. Our healing um, comes secondary, but I think the foundational blocks have to do with becoming self-aware and being aware of things happening around us and the why behind it is so important. But positive psychology to me has been um, quite useful for people. And when I did interview, when I was thinking about getting my coaching certification, I thought, am I making the right decision? But when I spoke with other friends who are psychologists, they said, I'm going to get mine too because I'm so frustrated in how, um, and I'm glad they were honest with me. They say, you know, our training is a little bit archaic now. We, I feel that I need to be more positive and, and coach my clients because if we're always dwelling on the past and they keep bringing up um, things that they regret, and they stay kind of in a cycle of negativity. And if you focus people on this is how you get well, and as you were saying earlier with the habits, how to uh, minimize addiction, how to think of things more positively, it actually opens up um, a lot more recovery options for people instead of ruminating and dwelling on oh, I'm so regretful that I, I chose this way. You know, that doesn't help a person. But propelling them forward and furthering and deepening who they are. And I, I just love when people have these enlightenments about themselves and they share them. It, it just makes it so um, much more valuable for me to partner with people. And a lot of times they don't share, but when they share what they what they've discovered about themselves, you know, and they they've had that aha moment, <laughs> you know. Now I know why I'm doing this because I always thought I needed to do it. And sometimes there's a lot of religious sort of upbringing that mm-hmm. it, it was passed down to them, right? And and they realize I was doing that because my parents um, that that's the world view I had and. Um, and maybe racism comes from that or whatever it is. But being self-aware will correct that in a person. And I tell people, and this is something I learned from my therapist. I went to a wonderful therapist for three years, and she did mindfulness training. And she studied under John Kabat-Zinn, um, who is the mindfulness expert up in Berkeley. But, mm. you know, I took some of that Buddhist thought, too. And Buddhism isn't a religion. It's just a way of thinking, being present. Right. And, it's a practice. Yeah. Yes. Right. So it doesn't have to be your worldview, but you learn um, certain techniques. But I remember she told me something very important, and I've shared this with everyone. Be a student of yourself. Mm-hmm. Watch yourself during the day. You're, if you're reacting quickly to something, something triggers you, Catch that moment, and then, you know, maybe if you can't think about it then, think about it later. Why did I do that? Ask yourself curious questions. So you're training someone to actually, in a way, coach themselves after a while. But you're, the first step before they can coach themselves is to observe themselves. So right, so you're you're basically you know there's so many things that you were talking about. You were talking about when you were talking about beliefs that we've been taught, basically these limiting beliefs. That when you can mm-hmm. when you can step back and start to question, wait, where does that come from? That opens mm-hmm. up you know this incredible freedom start right. to you know to to start to you know to think differently. And to have maybe perhaps even different values, or maybe to to start to understand and and even question our values and say, does that really apply to me? 
but also just this this as you were talking about this mindfulness to be able to start to it could you know to to see what we're doing and to question the why behind it it also gives us the freedom to then not react but to have right. choice over our right. our actions and um so that's it, it's an amazing uh power in our hands it, again, it gives us this amazing freedom to of choice. Yeah, I call it so, emotional freedom. <laughs> absolutely, you, you yes. Pretty, you pretty much summarized it. I think I think we we may have learned the same things. Just you did it on the east coast, and I've been doing it on the west coast. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it sounds like the both of us have studied a lot of things. I mean, one of the I, I studied Kabbalah for a long time before I got to IPEC. IPEC is where I took my um, my coach training. And, I mean, I studied a lot of things. I also studied NBC, which is, um, they call it, it's nonviolent communication, but it doesn't really. Um, oh, I did Rosenberg. I'm sorry? Right, right. Right, right. I took some, some, um, some intensive weekends and um, retreats. And it, so calling it nonviolent communication, people don't understand what it is, but it, it's basically it's yeah. about empathic listening, um, mm-hmm. and it just it opens up. I mean, there's the more you study, the more you can become more objective in how you see yourself and the world, and um, it, it it actually does free you up to you know as as to 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 not react, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to and the less you can judge. And and be aware of when you do judge. It gives you a lot more freedom. And as you mentioned, right. emotional freedom. Yes. yes, 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 absolutely. Um, so let's see. Um, there's so many uh, questions I want. I just wanted to know, how did you get started writing for Psych Central? So I wrote, actually, the first article was the one of being unstuck. And you, you kind of touched on that when you said when someone has pain to keep going and working on what they're feeling and that's basically the gist of this article how to become unstuck um, I had put it somewhere online and someone from the UK picked it up and put it on her blog and she says oh you should write so she mm-hmm. kind of mentored me and I said I, I ramble like even now in our interview <laughs> I tend to rabbit trail and ramble about a lot of things, and she said, you know what, when you write, make sure you just summarize things and make them short. (laughs) And that's the little tidbit of advice she gave me, and I said, okay, um, that's good. I'm going to just write as the topics come up. I don't write often, but I write when something, I see there's um, something relevant in in when I'm reading about where people are um, asking questions on Twitter or just in articles, there might be a a void. Like the PTSD, I did not see just your every man's guide to PTSD. And I I would love to read what other people find as well. But I tend to just write from what I observe. I don't, you know read too many of the articles before I write them. I go back a lot of times. I didn't know about Daniel Goleman, that he did work on emotional intelligence until after I wrote The Emotional Abuse. And it was fun because I then I came across his work at a bookstore and I thought, someone wrote a book on it. This is wonderful. <laughs> and then and I, I had the same ideas. I thought, you know, EQ needs to be taught it it is a learned skill you know and we we test for iq so we see what maybe vocation a child should go in but why not test for eq so that we could see what the artists and the psychologists um are and and put children in the right um vocation so but there's also you know the crystallized I, IQ and the fluid IQ. So even that has two parts. You know, being good at a task um, is crystallized IQ and knowing information. But then, of course, there's fluid IQ. 
where someone is able to be malleable and change when when a situation changes, how quick are you to adapt? And that's where neuroplasticity comes in. So I tell people, you know what, you're not a fixed being. They've discovered now the brain is not a fixed organ, as we believed 20 years ago. So that mm-hmm. opens up a whole um, exciting time for us. We can work on our brains. We can grow and it's quite exciting to me. I think you can grow empathy. I think definitely um, with meditation, again, it's that prefrontal cortex area. When you strengthen that um, through meditation or just, to me, it's being quiet as well. It doesn't have to be someone's 12-step meditation program. What works for you? Do you like being out in the forest, at the beach, you know, or a coffee shop? And it does not have, you don't have to cross your legs and do the specific. I think those things actually um, hinder a person. Find out who you are and what works for you. And it might just be going out um, on the weekends and, and driving into the country and, and being alone, just away from people. You're absolutely right. You know, you brought up a, a, a question in my mind. I'm thinking, because, you, you know, the fact when we're talking about neuroplasticity, and I'm wondering with people who have been brain injured, um, say perhaps even, um, even, even the people that, that are often brought up in, in uh, I wouldn't say in the news, but in articles about brain injuries, such as football players, okay, mm-hmm. or even veterans, uh, when they talk about brain injury, and mm-hmm. is there is there with with neuroplasticity and perhaps meditation, would that possibly uh, increase their 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 IQ or their their growth of their their brain, say the prefrontal frontal cortex, if they have damage there? I'm curious. That, that brought up this you know, this question. <laughs> I'm yes, sorry. I'm curious too. I would love to know more about that area. We need to have a yes, me too. <laughs> yes, well, there's there's a new topic for you to explore. <laughs> and you but that would be very. <laughs> I'm wondering if there if there are any um, re, if there's any research being done into that, any studies because um, you know they tend to think well once there's brain injury, well that's it. But, you know, I'm curious to know if, if any research has been done into meditation, for example, and, uh, yeah, and, and those types of injury. So um, I think, yeah, you know, that's a homework assignment for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. You, you I know, know, I with self, with I'm sorry? Oh, I was going to say, in addition... They have found some research on self-care increasing gray matter, and that has been very intriguing to me, and I've been sharing that with clients as well. So when you, you know, these adult coloring books that are out now, and people mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm not going to do that. But you know what? I do that. I think it's very therapeutic to sit at the end of the day um, not thinking about work or anything else and sitting there and it just feels like a time for myself, and and now it's proven that it increases the gray matter in the brain. And, mm. and when you've had trauma, you lose a lot of gray matter. So why not do something that's nourishing to your soul? It could be, you know, listening to music, and you know, you, you sing beautifully, so you would probably, <laughs> you know, put on <laughs> your your records, or I'll put on your because now I have a copy of it. <laughs> so I love that. And, you know, Andrea Bocelli is one of my favorite people. So mm-hmm. now I have another. So these these things increase gray matter. That we know for sure. So, But the meditation, mm-hmm. I like what, what you're um, asking. I, I do want to look into that now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to know because I know they're finding that, for example, I don't know if TM in particular, but it seems that most of the research is done on that. Uh, at least mm-hmm. they would have you think that, but um, right. that it seems that it really there there is some science 
that backs that up, um, that it really does uh, help the the brain a lot. Uh, so I'm curious to yeah. know how it might actually affect uh, brain injury or brain damage. So um, anyway, I, I just cannot believe, I know that we started a little late because, and as I, I look at my studio, I apologize to any of the audience that because of my switchboard is just totally blank. Even I should be able to see my own call and it's not on there. And I even had trouble calling in myself today. When I first called in, my my show didn't show up at all. So um, there is a problem today with Blog Talk Radio. In fact, the initial announcements didn't didn't come on so um there is that was a problem with blog talk radio so i apologize if there were any people trying to call in it wasn't that i was ignoring you it's just that your calls didn't show up so i i apologize to all my listeners today but we are we have just a few more minutes left to the show so i want to thank my guest maria bogdanos for being on the show today i it was just we could just go on and on and on but we're just we're really just about out of time so I'm Jan Jaffe, and it has been my privilege to have been your host today. In addition to my solo interview show, I also host Think Tank, a roundtable discussion, and I would be delighted if you would join us for the next episode of Think Tank on January 25th at 12 noon Eastern, when I assume that Blog Talk Radio will be functioning normally. (laughs) Maria, would you care to share any closing thoughts, advice, comments or website information or contact information with our listening audience? Um, let's see here. I think Psych Central has it won the top ten Twitter mental health resource last year, and I, I do recommend that um, you do, people do their own work and and not just go to one source. Uh, read, read everything you can about what interests you and be a student of yourself. And Psych Central has been a great resource for people. A lot have been helped through that. So you can find my articles there, and maybe I'll have one on neuroscience now <laughs> after Sam's <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> so um, I hope everyone um, is positive and hopeful that they will overcome what ails them and um, be a student of yourself. Thank you so much, Jan. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. It has been such a treat having you on the show today, and um, I want to thank you so very, very much. And I want to remind everyone that you can find contact and bio information in today's show description. So thanks again to my wonderful guest, Maria Bogdanos, for joining me today and making this show a very, very special one. I'm Jan Jaffe. Thanks for joining us. And until next time.